This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 37, Trying to Understand the Trinity. Now let's just say at the outset that to completely comprehend and understand the Trinity is impossible. God, of course, is infinite. We are finite. Our minds cannot hold the infinite mystery of the Trinity. Even in heaven, when we see God face to face, we will not comprehend him in the sense that even in heaven, our finite intellects will be a limit to us. But that means, on the positive side, that throughout all eternity, our understanding and our knowledge of God will be always new. That being said, we know that God created us with intellects so that we could come to know him and wills so that we could come to love him. And he revealed things about himself so that we could come to know and understand at least a little bit of who God is in his inner life. What would be the point of revealing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and revealing, for example, the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit if there's nothing we can gain from knowing that or there's nothing deeper we can learn about God from knowing that? Of course God revealed that because we can know something about him. So that's what theology is. It's looking at divine revelation and reasoning, coming to a deeper understanding of that revelation by using our reason. So keep in mind that we have already covered various things. For example, that God exists, that scripture is inerrant and it's reliable. So already we take for granted that God is both one and three because that's revealed. The oneness of God is very clear in the Old and the New Testament. We know that the Shema, the very important prayer of the Israelites in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone, or the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. So belief in one God is what made the Israelites unique. And of course, Christ in the New Testament reaffirms this, the unity of God. But he also introduces the concept of multiplicity in God. He talks about how the Father and I are one, or no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. When he ascends into heaven, he talks about baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even in the Old Testament, we have hints of multiplicity in God. At the very creation of man, you have God saying, let us create man in our image, speaking in first person plural. So that God is one and three is not in question here, but what exactly that means, how can we understand that kind of like what we did with Christ's divinity and humanity. We know that it is true. We just need to understand how this three and one actually works. We know it's not a contradiction because it's revealed by God. So we just need to understand what we mean when we say God is three and one. And again, when we talked about Christ's divinity and humanity, remember that we had to distinguish between nature and person because The two and one in Christ are not referring to the same thing because that would be a contradiction. We're talking about two natures, one person. Similarly, in the case of the Trinity, when we say three and one, we're not saying God is three gods and one God because that would be a contradiction. We're saying God is one divine nature possessed by the three persons of the Trinity. So it's not a contradiction. It's not a logical impossibility. Obviously, it's a mystery that exceeds our understanding, but it is not a contradiction. So remember how we defined nature and person and distinguished between them. Person is that which possesses a nature. When I say I have a human nature, I am speaking as a person. I possess my nature. My nature doesn't possess me. Also remember that person answers the question, who is it? 
and nature answers the question, what is it? And also that the nature is that by which I act. It is that which has the powers or faculties, whereas the person is the one who exercises those powers or faculties. The person is the one who acts. The nature is that by which a person acts. So God is one because he is one divine nature, not three divine natures, but one, numerically one divine nature. And that's different from saying that you and I share a nature. We do indeed share human nature. We both have human nature, but we don't have numerically one in the same nature. My nature belongs to this parcel of matter, which is me. Your nature is numerically distinct because it belongs to that parcel of matter, which is you. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each person possesses the one nature, the numerically one nature. They don't just all have a divine nature. They all have the divine nature fully and entirely. Each one possesses the, the one divine nature entirely. And we might think that that doesn't make sense, but really consider that, yes, it's true in our experience that we only experience one person having one nature. We don't really know what it would mean for multiple persons to possess one and the same nature. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. In fact, we can't really find any impossibility there. We know it's true, of course, from Revelation. But even thinking about it more deeply, where is the contradiction? We, we don't experience it. We don't know what that experience would be like. But there doesn't seem to be a contradiction. Frank Sheed, whose book Theology for Beginners I would highly recommend, he says, we can define person in nature, but there is a lot of mystery there. We can define a person as the one who possesses a nature, but do we really have a clear enough understanding of person and nature to say that an infinite nature couldn't be possessed entirely by three distinct persons? It's hard to think of what argument we would use to say that that would be impossible, given the fact that our understanding of person and nature is so vague. Keep in mind in the episode on whether or not we have immortal souls, we saw quotations from eminent scientists saying they can't even explain consciousness or self-awareness scientifically. So if we can't even understand our own personhood and our own self-awareness, why would we presume to say that an infinite nature cannot be possessed by the three persons? This itself is an important task of theology. St. Thomas says that while we may not be able to understand the mysteries of the faith completely, reason can always show that there is no contradiction involved. And so this is the case here with the Trinity. There is no contradiction, even though it seems foreign to our experience and hard to understand what it would mean for three persons to possess one in the same nature. We don't see any actual contradiction in it. It's something that exceeds the ability of our reason. It's not something that contradicts reason. We can also reason to the fact that the three in one cannot mean three gods because we already know that God is an infinite, eternal, perfect being. We've come to those conclusions in previous episodes. So to have three infinite, perfect beings is actually uh, an impossibility because an infinite, perfect being means uh, a being that has no imperfections, no potential left unfulfilled. It's just pure perfection and pure being. So by what would you distinguish between these three separate gods? To make a distinction between three separate gods, there would have to be some perfection or some difference that the one had that distinguished it from the other. But if that were the case, that would mean there would be some lack or imperfection in all three of the gods, which of course would make them fall short of the definition of God. So three gods, if we understand the term God properly, 
as an infinite eternal being, it's impossible that there be three such gods. So by reason and revelation, we know that God is one. And by revelation, we know that God in some sense is also three. And by reason, we know that it's impossible that there be three gods. Then we know for certain that this one in three has some other explanation. So let's look at the language in scripture. God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's the best way to come to know that? Because it's not without reason that God gave us those names and not others. We might find it misleading that God is Father and Son because in our experience of fatherhood and sonship, the Father is older than the Son. But instead of thinking of God as resembling us, we need to think about how we fall short of resembling God. So while in our experience, a father and son entail an older and a younger, we know that that can't be the case in God because God is eternal. All three persons possess the divine nature. All three persons are eternal because all three persons are the one God. But consider in even human generation, a father and a son. While the father is always older than the son, obviously, it's still the case that their relationship of being a father and a son begins to exist at the same time. The man who is the father is older than the child who is conceived, but the father is a father only when the son is a son. That is, the father becomes a father at the moment of conception, and that's the very same moment that the son becomes the son. So while our example and experience of father and son or father and child has this element of before and after or older and younger, it's not essential to it because a father and a son begin to exist in that relationship at the very same moment. So we can see how father and son exist from all eternity in God. Another way to understand this relationship, and this is given to us by St. Augustine primarily and also expounded on by St. Thomas Aquinas, keep in mind that St. John refers to the son as the word in the prologue to his gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So this term word or logos in Greek gives us another way to understand the relationship of the first two persons of the Trinity. God being one who knows and loves. That's the definition of person as we've used it before, that we have an intellect and a will. We know and we love. So looking at God's actions of knowing and loving, it gives us a little more insight into the relations between the persons of the Trinity. When I think about something, in my mind is produced from that thought a concept or an idea. The idea or the internal word is a reflection of that about which I'm thinking. And in a human mind, that concept is always vague or imperfect or inaccurate in some way. But when God knows and God thinks, so to speak, his concept, the product of his thought, is perfect. And what does God do from all eternity but contemplate the highest good, that is, his own divine nature. So when God thinks, the thought or internal word, so to speak, that's produced from that thought is a perfect reflection of God. That is, it is, in fact, another divine person. Put another way, when I consider myself, the image I have of myself might be more or less accurate or more or less perfect. When God contemplates his own nature, what's produced is a perfect representation of God. So God, as an infinite thinker, produces an infinite thought, another like himself in all things. So God the Son is also considered God the Word, the product or effect of 
God's thought is something that is a perfect reflection of him, like him in all things, that is, another divine person. This might seem confusing or abstract, but it's just because of the poverty of our language. It's just trying to grasp at some image that gives us even the slightest idea of what it means for God to be a communion of persons, but also one God. So we're not saying that this image of thinker and thought really represents perfectly the inner life of the Trinity, but it gives us some idea. Since we're made in the image of God, obviously there's something that we can understand about God by looking at what we have that distinguishes us from the rest of creation. What makes us in the image of God is our ability to think and to love. And so by looking at the actions of our thinking and loving, we, we believe that we see something about the inner life of God in whose image we are made. So God thinks and produces this word, which is a perfect word or image or reflection of himself, which means it is another divine person. But God also loves. So the Father who produces a perfect reflection of himself, which is another divine person, the Son, both persons also love as persons, right? We know and we love. And in knowing each other, they also love each other. And while our love is always finite and imperfect, the love of Father and Son is perfect and infinite. And this love between the Father and the Son being infinite itself is another person, another divine person, and we call that the Holy Spirit. So just as the product of God's knowing is a divine person, so also is the product of God's loving a divine person. Perhaps you're beginning to see what I meant at the beginning when I say the Trinity is a mystery and we can only come to know a little bit about it because our language and our minds are finite and impoverished. These images just give us a little hint of an idea of what the inner life of the Trinity is like. It's always worth contemplating more and more and going deeper and deeper because you can never exhaust the riches of the infinite life of God. To give a little bit more of a thorough explanation of the Trinity, I'm going to read something called the Athanasian Creed, or at least parts of the Athanasian Creed, which kind of lists all the things we know about God from Revelation and from theology. Quote, And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the nature. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. For like as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord, so are we forbidden to say there are three gods or three lords. And in this trinity none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another, but the whole three persons are co-eternal and co-equal, such that in all things, as aforesaid, the unity in trinity and the trinity in unity is to be worshipped. He, therefore, that will be saved, let him thus think of the Trinity. Now, if that was perhaps a little too technical to move you, I'll conclude this episode with reading from the final lines of Dante's Divine Comedy in the Paradiso, where he's in heaven, and he's finally gifted with the vision of God himself. And he says this, 
In the profound and shining clear existence of the deep light appeared to me three circles, of one dimension and three different colors. One seemed to be reflected by the other, rainbow by rainbow, while the third seemed fire, breathed equally from one and from the other. Oh, how pale now is language and how paltry for my conception, and for what I saw my words are not enough to call them meager. O everlasting light, you dwell alone in yourself, know yourself alone, and known and knowing, love and smile upon yourself. That middle circle which appeared in you to be conceived as a reflected light after my eyes had studied it a while, within itself and in its coloring, seemed to be painted with our human likeness, so that my eyes were wholly focused on it. As the geometer who sets himself to square the circle and who cannot find for all his thought the principle he needs, just so was I on seeing this new vision. I wanted to see how our image fuses into the circle and find its place in it. Yet my wings were not meant for such a flight, except that then my mind was struck by lightning, through which my longing was at last fulfilled. Here powers failed my high imagination, but by now my desire and will were turned like a balanced wheel rotated evenly by the love that moves the sun and the other stars. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. Also consider becoming a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. God bless.